Welcome to Equipping the Persecuted Radio, sponsored by Equipping the Persecuted. Remember, Equipping the Persecuted is a boots-on-the-ground ministry that does exactly what the name would imply. They equip the persecuted over in Nigeria through building up uh, alarm towers and also uh, to, to stop the persecution from happening, but also going and giving aid to the villages that are, are wrecked through persecution. And I'm your host, Pastor Sam Jones, and today we have a special guest. We have Dr. Kevin Baird, and he is Director of Pastoral Ministries for the Florida Family Policy Council, and he's been in ministry for over 40 years. 35 of those years have been spent pastoring local churches and church planting, and anything else you can think he has probably done in ministry. Dr. Baird, how are you doing today? Great. Pastor Sam Jones, good to be with you long distance and uh, being able to interact. I'm looking forward to it. All is well in Florida. Good. I, you know, I was a little bit concerned because I saw uh, maybe a week or so ago a post that you put on Facebook that uh, that, that it was actually quite frigid uh, temperatures that were there. In fact, I think it was all the way down to about 38 degrees is what you said. Is it a little warmer out there today? I was just looking at the temperature outside. It's clear sky, 70 degrees. It's a, a beautiful Florida winter day right now. <laughs> when it gets below 50, Floridians pull out their earmuffs, their boots. Um, they get out their, their winter down jackets, and it is traumatic here in Florida. And, and truly, they're not used to it, but anybody from the North would get a smile out of it. Uh, we, we definitely get a smile at that. Um, it, it got up into the 30s here this week in Iowa, and I was noticing that, that I saw, I think, two or three people who were wearing shorts, actually, because uh, because it got, it got warm enough, uh, you know, to wear shorts in 30 degree weather. Uh, and I just thought that was kind of funny. It's all about perspective. Um, but today we're, we're going to be talking about pietism. And of course, pietism, it's, it's not the difference between if you like pie or cake. That's not what pietism is. Uh, could you give us a functional definition of what pietism is and, and maybe some of the problems or some of the history, maybe that'd be a better way to start with, with pietism. Well, pietism is, I, it has developed into a theological construct, although originally uh, pietism probably would not have been defined in those ways. It's usually associated with a guy, a Lutheran by the name of Philip Spenner, who uh, had just uh, become, I guess, disillusioned or disappointed, disgusted perhaps even with the general uh, lack of life that there was late. 17th century that people had uh, embraced right doctrine, but there was no vigorous personal relationship. And so pietism was basically an exhortation that people begin to develop the vigor of their spiritual life, that it wasn't just intellectual assent to doctrine. And you can have right doctrine, but your heart can be cold as ice. And so Spanner and others suggested that uh, there needed to be a, a, an awakening and a discipline in order to keep the heart fervent and passionate. And I suppose original pietism could be uh, certainly um, uplifted as a good thing. I don't think anybody would critique a fervent, personal, passionate, devotional faith. But what happens with so many things as it moves through the years is the students and followers begin to take things further 
than the originator uh, intended for it to go until you have what we would now call contemporary pietism, which has in fact more or less confined or made exclusive one's spirituality to only their personal life. And there is no real consequence with regards to their engagement with the world around them, um, as long as they are personally fervent or personally um, um, right or devoted, uh, that's good and well. And again, they would maintain the gospel exclusively points to that personal, almost privatized faith. And where contemporary pietism begins to go wrong is it begins to hermetically seal off other arenas of life that demand our engagement and in, a, attention as believers, as salt and light. You can't just be salt and light in and of yourself. You, you have to be salt and light in your engagement of other arenas. And for me, most particular is the civic arena, civic government. Uh, pietism, more or less, today would preach a gospel that says politics is dirty. It has no place. It's, it, you know, this world is vanishing and perishing and we have no business being in it and et cetera, until the pastor, minister, speaker, church has compartmentalized their faith almost between the four walls instead of engaging faith in all the arenas of life. So that that's probably just skipping over the high tops. But again, originally, probably a good thing. Contemporarily, it's been an incredibly bad thing. Well, and it's really interesting with the way that you, you framed it here, because it seems like the way that it started off uh, was actually to go and to correct a problem that that the faith was was dead and it wasn't actually impacting anything and specifically wasn't impacting the heart. It was just a bunch of abstract doctrines that people were maybe following, maybe weren't following, but it wasn't really uh, changing the hearts and, and lives of people. But it's interesting because in the way that it, it it's in contemporary uh, aspect, it has gone and compartmentalized everything that it has gone and essentially done what it was out to try to, well, not, not what it's trying to correct to do, but, but it's, it's fallen back into the trap just on the other side of the ditch uh, or the other side of the road into the other ditch, what it was trying to correct. It, it actually veered off and fell into the same problem. Right. And, and, you know, uh, obviously you're uh, an educated pastor and you, and you can watch history, church history. This has always been the case. Uh, God will raise up someone to bring correction to a ditch that we've fallen in as the people of God. And as we crawl out of the ditch to get it right, we fall into the ditch on the other side of the road and it creates another problem. Pietism was associated rightly or wrongly with uh, Lutherans, Lutheranism, and uh, it had an incredible stronghold in Germany, especially during uh, World War II and the reign of Nazism and oftentimes is used as an illustration in the story of the trains passing by the church, carrying the Jews off to concentration camps uh, to be systematically eliminated and killed. And as the trains passed by the, the, the church next to the railroad track, instead of doing something to intervene with regards to this massive evil, they would just sing louder in order to somehow cover up the sound of the train. We just would sing louder. And so that sort of is a, a vivid illustration of where pietism leads to. We, we tweak our worship, we 
we tweak our organization in the church. We try to get it just right while all around us are things that need to be engaged with a living faith in order that we can be the ones who preserve and illuminate. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're called to resist and to stand uh, in the face of evil. Jesus is Lord of all, which means everything. There is no area of life right. that is sealed off from his living lordship. It's not, it's not theory, but his lordship was to be tangibly, just as Satan's uh, dominion has tangible fruit to it mm-hmm. that we can see all around us in the world. Christ's kingdom has tangible fruit, which are to be made manifest through his people in every arena of life. So basically what we're seeing here is that pietism is a privatized Christianity that allows a church to to be full on Sunday and yet a culture to be decaying all around them because they're they're not going out and actually being that salt, not actually being that light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation and calling them to repentance and being a a counter Christianity or counter culture uh, to our current culture. Uh, And I want to pick up on that here just as we return uh, from a break. So stay with us as we have just a quick break and we'll be right back. There is a crisis happening in Nigeria. Christians are being murdered and driven from their homes at the hands of Muslim terrorists. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Equipping the Persecuted is a mission organization that helps persecuted Christians in Nigeria by sending aid directly to persecuted Christians in need. When a Christian village is attacked, Equipping the Persecuted is there to respond with food, medical aid, and materials to rebuild their churches and communities. Equipping the Persecuted has boots on the ground ready to respond to an emergency. Within 48 hours of an attack, our team is there to help those in need. Prayerfully consider a monthly donation to help impact and save the lives of persecuted Christians. Equipping the Persecuted doesn't just raise awareness about persecution or just talk about it. They take action. Visit EquippingThePersecuted.org and donate today. God's Word tells us that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Truly, sin is a mark of America today. Every second, 28,000 people are watching pornography. Since 1973, over 65 million babies have been slaughtered on the altar of convenience through abortion, and 70% of millennials are likely to vote for a socialist. Sin truly abounds and is a reproach to our nation. But how do we get back on track and be exalted by God once again? Hi, I'm Pastor Sam Jones, and I've written a new book that traces the steps of America's fall and gives us a road to redemption. It's called Five Steps to Kill a Nation and How to Stop the Bleeding. You can get a copy of the book at theshininglightministries.com. Welcome back, Equipping the Persecuted Radio. And today we've been talking about pietism uh, with Dr. Kevin Baird. And you can uh, follow his blog at drkevinbaird.com. Once again, that's Dr. Dr. Kevin Baird. Dot com. And I would really suggest that you go there. There's a lot of great resources that you can find uh, in, on that website. And so go ahead and check that out. But, but the Dr. Baird, what we've been talking about today is pietism. 
And it, it, really what struck me is what you're talking about is in Germany, how you could go and the church could be, be gathered and maybe have a full house and they would go and sing louder while the trains uh, back in World War II would be going and, and taking the, the Jews off to a concentration camp. They would just sing louder so they wouldn't have to hear those cries and those screams with that going on. Is that something that we could find is comparable today? Maybe not quite to that level, but perhaps even quite to that level today. I'm not sure where, where your perspective is, but do you believe that pietism has the same effect today as it did in Germany uh, in World War II? Yeah, great. Yeah, great question. Um, it does have that kind of impact all over the world, um, I'm sure, in illustrative ways. But here in America, I mean, we have uh, incredible challenges in with regards to evil. I mean, let me let me just enumerate things at the top of the list. Obviously, 65 plus million babies have been aborted since 1973 at minimum. And, uh, you know, that's hor horrific. There is no adjective that can describe right. uh, that particular evil. And it's done it with the church's full permission in some regards. Mm -hmm. you, you've got a, a culture that several years ago decided that it could no longer define marriage. And so you have children um, being adopted uh, in, you know, redefined families and, and marriages. And what, what will that produce in kids' lives? You, you have debates happening in state houses as to whether or not a five-year-old can determine their, their gender without their parents' permission. I mean, what kind of evil does this produce? And what we find, and I could give you illustrations of wanting pastoral input or the church's uh, voice to enter into this, and we can't be found sometimes with regards to these great public debates. And the question we have to ask ourselves, and this is mostly pre-pandemic, these stats, is that we had more people attending church uh, in America than ever before. We had more mega churches. And again, I've got nothing against large churches. You know, that some of them are doing phenomenal jobs, but I'm just using it as an illustration mm -hmm. all over the landscape in our big cities. And yet why, with all of these statistical numbers of Christians sitting in seats, are we seeing this rapid decay taking place all around us? And so uh, from my perspective, pietism has whether it is the reason, it has played a part of the reason with regards to why the church is not engaged, because we don't, we don't want to do it. it. It's controversial. People will divide. It'll split my congregation. I, you know, people don't want to hear this. I mean, we could go on and on, but we've privatized the faith to such a degree. There is no imperative to go out and to stand uh, and, and be the conscience in culture to these great issues. Yeah. You, you know, the verse that keeps coming to my mind as, as you're talking is, uh, I think it's in second Timothy where, where the apostle Paul says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. W would that be a good description for what pietism does? Well, yeah, we, we have great services. We sense the presence of God. We are uplifted or exhorted by the word. Um, and of course, we could get into the day and age now. It's all about inspiration rather than instruction. But I mean, adding all of these, these internal church forces together has produced an impotent and anemic body of believers, at least here in America, 
that are reluctant to engage culture. Now, as we were preparing for this, we had mentioned that the pandemic has brought a, maybe some silver linings to this, and hopefully that will be the case because it has touched the church in some other ways that I do see some awakening, which is good news. Yeah. Now, and, and you're in a great position to see both the problem and uh, some of the solution here and some of the, the hope that we have. Uh, being the, the director of pastoral ministries for the Florida Family Policy Council, I, I kind of assume that you probably uh, rub shoulders with, with hundreds, maybe even thousands of pastors and trying to get them engaged. And so I'm sure that you've been able to see through the years uh, quite a bit of this stronghold of pietism. But I, I think from what you've been hinting at in, in our conversations is that there's some hope that you're also seeing here uh, with the pastors starting to waken up and realizing that it's time to get engaged in the culture. We have to do that today. Well, I do see some hope. And so hopefully that will, that will translate into greater engagement because we believe the, the civic arena is a mission field. We, we quit using the term politics. Um, we use the term civic mission field, that it needs the mm-hmm. gospel just like every other arena of life. And how the gospel is applied may be with regards to uh, civic leaders' personal salvation, maybe character formation, but it also includes public policy. So right. it's a mission field. But the hope with regards to it is, is that we've heard all of the great issues of the day, and it seems like we're absent on, you know, absent on the field. But then suddenly this pandemic comes through, and now government is creating edicts and jumping out of their jurisdiction, looking at the church saying, you've got to close your doors, you've got to, you know, shut things down, we're going to let the casinos and the strip clubs and grocery stores, they all can run at full capacity, you're non-essential, we'll tell you when you can open again, and again, every state was different, I'm in the free state of Florida, so we weathered it better than others. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden pastors are going, whoa, 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 whoa. Now they can't even practice their pietism. Um, right. So, so what, what do you do? Well, now pain has come to pietism and now there's this awakening. And so, uh, we were holding zoom calls that, which would normally, we would just create a zoom call with maybe 500, uh, possible attendants. And, and it was crashing our lines. I mean, people from all over the nation were trying to pastors contact us about what to do. Then the mandates come along. And without the debate on whether the vaccination is right or not, which I know can cause a great debate, the, the question of mandates and will pastors mm-hmm. write uh, an exemption for their parishioners. And so the parishioners are putting pressure on their pastors saying, help us keep our jobs help us navigate this and pastors who normally would not write an exemption letter for a state employee or an exemption letter for, uh, you know, a big corporation are suddenly contacting me going, where do I go? What do I do? How is, how is this biblical? Should I be involved? And, and this hit a pressure point that they're awakening saying, Hey, this is affecting my flock in ways I've never considered. And am I going to allow state government or federal government to pass laws that take away my, you know, the sheep's income? And, and I don't want to be too cynical here, but sheep income go away, sheep giving go down. So, so I mean, it all has a domino effect. And again, I don't want to be too cynical in this regard. I, I'm happy that there's an awakening that says, wait a minute, 
government is out of their lane and we as the church have to speak to this. So I have definitely seen pastors sort of, you know, uh, come back and say, okay, uh, we, we've got to be, you know, we've got to be there for these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're going to have to go and take a, another quick break here. Uh, but when we come back, I, I want to talk about what it will look like uh, going forward, what we need to do as a church uh, moving forward, especially to continue to defeat pietism, not just uh, in the pragmatic level right now, but going forward in the doctrinal level and to uh, be generational thinking about this. Uh, but stay with us. We're going to come back from a quick break. There is a crisis happening in Nigeria. Christians are being murdered and driven from their homes at the hands of Muslim terrorists. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Equipping the Persecuted is a mission organization that helps persecuted Christians in Nigeria by sending aid directly to persecuted Christians in need. When a Christian village is attacked, Equipping the Persecuted is there to respond with food, medical aid, and materials to rebuild their churches and communities. Equipping the Persecuted has boots on the ground ready to respond to an emergency. Within 48 hours of an attack, our team is there to help those in need. Prayerfully consider a monthly donation to help impact and save the lives of persecuted Christians. Equipping the Persecuted doesn't just raise awareness about persecution or just talk about it. They take action. Visit EquippingThePersecuted.org and donate today. Welcome to Equipping the Persecuted Radio. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Jones, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Kevin Baird. And once again, go to drkevinbaird.com. It's drkevinbaird.com. Go there and check out his blog. He's got a ton of great resources, especially on the theology of medical freedom uh, that he's got going on sometime. And I just kind of thought about that. We're going to have to have you back on, Dr. Baird, to talk about that sometime. Uh, that theology. I think that'd be a really great topic. Uh, but today we're talking about pietism, and we've seen an, you've seen an awakening in the church. You've seen pastors getting involved, uh, and like you said, you don't want to be uh, too cynical. Maybe some for the right reasons, maybe some for the not necessarily the best reasons, but nonetheless, they're getting involved in in, in politics or the civil arena once again. But but I was really been thinking about this. If if everything just goes back to normal. I don't think it will, but if everything just goes back to normal, do you think that pietism will return? And if that is the case, what can we do to stop pietism from taking root once again in the United States? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and uh, we spin this around all the time because I interact with pastors and a part of my job is how do I get them across this bridge Mm -hmm. to a comprehensive Christianity? And some of it is seizing moments like this, painful moments, in order to not only assist them in getting through this very practical problem that they're facing, but to be able you know, to teach. As, as with anything in the church, sometimes it all comes back to discipling and teaching. And honestly, pastors have not been discipled in civic engagement. I mean, there was never a class at seminary for me that said, you know, cultural reformation 101 i mean it it just wasn't there and you, so you know for me, me on take an ancillary reading yeah you, you know for me on that i 
I got engaged um, about six years ago, I want to say in, in politics uh, with, with being a pastor. And I was surprised because before I was really involved in sports, you know, I was going out and playing you know, church league, basketball, softball, all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, my wife basically told me I had to quit playing sports cause I'm just not a very big guy. And unfortunately God gave me the, the body of a mouse and the heart of a lion. And so I was getting destroyed out there. And, uh, and you know, it was strange. Nobody had a problem when I was engaging in sports, but everybody seemed to have a problem when I was engaging in politics. And as much as I love basketball, Jesus didn't tell me how to run a two, three zone, but he certainly did say what was moral and what was immoral. And so I, I thought that was kind of a strange uh, dynamic. Well, you're exactly right. And because of the, the divisiveness of, we all know, of politics. And, and again, it boils back to what's your, what's your theology of lordship? What's your theology of the kingdom? Uh, these things are base level. If the kingdom is only spiritual to you, then you're never going to feel the imperative to engage. But if you understand right. the kingdom has fruits and it has repercussions in natural life, when you understand Jesus is not a figurehead king, right. uh, he, did, he did not come in order to just, you know, release betterment principles of one's life. But he came in order to, to demonstrate a, a whole new way of living. And that affects your personal life, your family, it affects your community, your state, your nation, and it affects the globe. The earth is the Lord's, the scripture says, and all that it contains. And we Amen. say that, and I don't know what people do. I guess they blank out when, they re when you hear that verse, or they just turn it into a spiritualized sort of nothingness. And so, yeah, we have to, we have to begin to teach and, and train in a consistent way. And politics is inconsistent. It is it is dominated not only by frail, carnal, inconsistent people, but it's the religion of many. And, and, and so many people are worshiping uh, government. And uh, again, there's so many roads and tributaries that begin to come off of the whole discussion of civic government. We could have four or five <laughs> conversations. Oh, together but um yeah i mean but it comes back to really disciple you have to disciple the great commission you disciple in order disciple nations nations need disciples mm -hmm. and teaching them to observe all things jesus said that i have commanded so nations have a responsibility uh to glorify the lord for they will come under judgment as well Right. And I'm really, I really love that you brought that up because one of the things that I've noticed in, in pietism is that uh, people say, well, we just, we just go and preach the gospel. And the first thing is, is that statistics show that that's actually not true. Uh, most Christians don't actually share the gospel. And especially the ones who say we only share the gospel, most of the time, that's not the case. But, but the other side of it is too, is that that's not the great commission. The great commission is to make disciples. And yes, the gospel is the first step. Evangelism is the first step in discipleship but it's just the first step. It, it goes beyond that. It's, it's baptizing. It's teaching them all the things that Christ commanded them. And so really uh, this engagement in, in civil policy uh, or politics is, is part of the Great Commission. Would you, would you agree with that? It, well, it's directly a part of the Great Commission. How do you disciple nations? Our rulers need discipled. Um, we have good Christian people in uh, public service, and I don't want to diminish their role, but they've never been discipled as to what their role 
is to be. How, do, how does my faith interact with this public policy discussion? Uh, and I use the illustration often. Sometimes it's not the constituency on the ground. It's the constituency of one. And that's yep. the Lord. And, and, yep. and he's the judge of all mankind. And these are things that become really challenging and dicey because we've not instilled courage. We've not instilled understanding. We've not instilled systematically a theology that gives them a confidence that when they enter this arena, they are there on a mission. This is, this is a part of the mission, not the whole mission, but it certainly is a part of it. Hey, man, that's right. Well, we have just a, a few seconds here left, about a minute. Uh, w- would you want to leave our listeners here, the audience, with something that, that they can do in order to help defeat pietism? Well, you have to you have to live the gospel out at all times and all places, and you can do it in a good spirit. Uh, we 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 embrace all the character and spiritual uh, fruit uh, qualities in order to be those that demonstrate uh, the goodness of God as it's lived out in a believer's life, and that can happen in homes and communities if if it's declared rightly. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Baird. And remember, go visit his website at drkevinbaird.com. Thank you for listening to Equipping the Persecuted Radio, sponsored by Equipping the Persecuted. Please visit our website at equippingthepersecuted.com and email us at equippingthepersecuted, or excuse me, equippingthepersecuted at gmail.com. I'm Pastor Sam, and keep standing for the truth.